Don't worry, we'll be starting today's episode of Dylan Friends real soon, and it's going to be a bloody great one. But just so you know, you can say goodbye to data worries now with Telstra. Telstra prepaid complete gives you 25 gigs for $30 on your first three recharges, plus with a 28-day expiry. And it's only on Australia's best mobile network, Telstra. And don't even worry about the T's and C's either, because they're here. Include 17 gig bonus, first recharge by 30th of June, remaining recharges by the 31st of August 2020, and it's for use in Australia. Now let's enjoy the show. G'day guys, and welcome back to the Dylan Friends Podcast. This week, I know I say this a lot, but big, big episode. This bloke is genuinely one of the best storytellers I've heard. He's absolutely hilarious and one of the real good guys in footy. Xavier Ellis. He was picked three in the 2005 National Draft. He played 120 games and 37 goals for Hawthorne and West Coast. He played in three grand finals and won one flag. And now post-footy, he's absolutely killing it in Perth on the FM radio station Hit 92.9. We touch on it all, being the boy from the bush in the big city, being robbed of Norm Smiths, tactically getting in photos with superstars, punishment sessions, coach sprays, yelling at people outside of cars, being the late call-up at his emergency multiple times, and much, much more. I promise you this episode will leave you entertained. I can't thank Xavier enough for his time. I can't wait for you to hear it, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Also, don't forget this episode will be available on the Dylan Friends YouTube channel as a vodcast, so make sure you check it out and subscribe. Welcome to the Dylan Friends podcast. My name is Deborah, Dylan's mum. Strap yourselves in for some light-hearted and wholesome fun. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Xavier Ellis, gee whiz, mate, it's, it's an honour, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, I won't lie, I've been wanting to get this one done for a long time and um, I mustered up the courage to, to slide into the DMs as I do and, mate, to, to have you on the show, uh, I'm very excited. Yeah, it's probably a sign too, mate. When uh, when people say they've had someone slide into their DMs, you're usually hoping for a uh, for a young female in a summer shot. But uh, <laughs> I was thrilled to see you on the other end. No worries, mate. Well, look, again, um, I'm a big fan, and I have been from a long time. So to sit down with you today and to see where you've got to um, now, I've got to admit, from what from you as a person of what I've seen, and what you were as a player, and how you you've, your appearance and on the field sort of skill, I, I wouldn't have sort of picked you to be as funny as you are. Is that a compliment? <laughs> no, I think a, it's, it's a compliment. No, it is. It's, it's actually, a, uh, it's a strange one because uh, when I moved from Hawthorne to West Coast, Adam Simpson just said, X, no one knows who you are. So you know, and I didn't know anyone in WA. He's like, mate, you just do whatever you want and people will think it's normal. Yeah. So day one, I walked in with my hat back to front. I've never worn my hat back to front in my life. I was like, these folks are going to think I'm pretty trendy. And then, yeah, that was just, just from uh, changing clubs, just became a bit of a, uh, I don't know, had a bit, little bit more fun. Didn't take it so seriously, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I can definitely relate to that. Um, I, I, my my change of club wasn't as, as successful as yours, but um, yeah, what I was trying to say there that didn't come out was you look not normally are you funny and handsome. So you've got both. Um, <laughs> I, I'm struggling on on both of them, but um, I, I make up for effort, mate. Look, I want to start at the start because, as yep. you said, you're you're killing it in WA at the moment, but it all started in Gippsland. So I've always been mm-hmm. missed by Gippsland because I don't want to put all the peas in one bucket. That's not a saying at all. It's made that up. But yep. a lot of the no, boys from Gippsland I've met are some pretty strange units. Yeah. No, it's probably fair. The only thing is I'd add is people get like Gippsland goes for like eight hours. So like to, to drive through. So there are 
a lot of shitholes. <laughs> but then you keep going on to Lake Tyres Beach where I was uh, born and bred, a tiny little uh, spot of a, a pub and a general store uh, about four or five hours from Melbourne. Then that's where the that's where the unique people are, great people down there. But I get what you're saying. You go through Moe, Morwell, Terrelgan, uh, it's the smog um, that, that sort of puts you know in the chemicals into the brain. Um, but by the time you get down to my neck of the woods, it's fresh air and uh, we're a different mob down there. You're right, mate, because one of my good friends, uh, Nick Graham, he's from Terrelgan. And his first, yeah. my first visions of him rocking up to the club was tie-dye Tavita singlet. He had a shark tooth necklace, blonde tipped hair, and he used to duct yep. tape the bottom of his slip-on shoes and go shuffling at the local club down there. <laughs> so... What was, do you remember? Mate, that, I, was it Lagoon? Was there a club in Terrelgan? Uh, it's probably a good thing mate, if you don't Terrelgan, know. So, so Terrelgan would be two and a half hours from um, my joint. And I only ever knew Terrelgan because Brendan Goddard was from there and Andrew McWalter. And that was, they were the only two people I knew from Terrelgan. So I just assumed that Terrelgan was this unbelievable footy uh, footy town. But uh, the, <laughs> We'll move on then, mate, because you got out of Gippsland and you were boarding yep. down at Melbourne Grammar, which is a pristine school um, down here in Melbourne, it's it's a very nice school. Um, what was that like for you moving down to Melbourne? Because that was with Big Tom Hawkins, wasn't it? Yeah, so Tommy Hawk was my uh, first first ever roommate. So we we shared a bedroom together, um, and I still remember day one walking up the stairs into the boarding house, and someone asked me who I was sharing a room with, and I didn't know who Tom Hawkins was. Uh, it was year nine, and the young kid just shook his head. He's like, I said Tom Hawkins. He's like. Ugh. <laughs> uh, sure enough, get up there. There's this six foot six giant laying on the bed. I thought uh, there's one way. I need to, I need to get on his good side early, and I need to not be. You know, like you watch Prison Break and you see, you know, the cellmate. There's always one dominant one, and then there's one who's holding the tucked out pocket. Yep. I was like, I was like Hawkins, you're holding my pocket. I'm not holding your pocket, boy. <laughs> so, mate, we got we got the uh, we got the friendship going well uh, early days. There wasn't a lot of schoolwork that got done. Um, Oh, we kicked the footy a lot. I still remember Hawk. I think I academically had Hawk covered. I mean, it wasn't we, – we weren't streets ahead of anyone else. We are sort of at the back end, but I still reckon I was in front of him. I remember year 12, Hawk was doing four subjects in year 12, so one less than the yep. the quota. <laughs> and he came in one day and said, Zave, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to quit um, design technology or something. The workload's <laughs> too much for me. I was like, Hawk, it's going on. You're down to three subjects. He spent more time sleeping in the boarding house than actually attending school. So uh, it was great. Loved getting away from the country. Originally, I was going to go to Xavier College where all dad's brothers and siblings and all them went there. Cousins were there. Uh, but it was just too big for me. So we went and checked it out and I said to that, I'll go to Xavier College, but you have to pick me up every night from school and I'm living in Lakes Entrance. So um, we ended up negotiating to a bit of a smaller school. So that's how I ended up at Melbourne Grammar. Gee whiz, yeah, it's interesting, mate. Because that year as well, because one thing I was trying to work out, did you get picked up, because you were picked three in the 2005 draft and obviously yep. had a good year that year. Were you picked up as a bottom major or it was your top age year? No, no. So back then you could get drafted at 17. Yeah. So um, end, end of year 11, I was 17. So you got drafted. And then uh, you had a whole major. another year of school. Yeah. So See, I, that's I said life. to them before the draft. Yeah. Well, mate, I said to them, um, I'm, I'm not going to play AFL this year. I'm going to finish school, which, you know, when you reflect now, I didn't really gain a lot out of that last year of education. <laughs> so I probably should have just played and got a couple of match payments. But um yeah, I just said, I'm going to finish school, which, um, you know, a lot of the clubs were, were pretty reasonable with um, 
and I think in the draft it was like Collingwood, Carlton, and Hawthorne had the first six picks. So uh, realistically, it was probably going to be staying in Melbourne. So uh, yeah, I stayed in your twelve, and I was given I think it was fifty bucks. I was getting paid. I was given fifty bucks a week allowance, which went to like a box of Jim Beam stubby uh, cans. <laughs> And then, like, I felt like I was Father Christmas on a, on a Saturday night. The boys would come over with their lukewarm VB cans, swapping for my beautiful, expensive $50 box of Jim Beam. So uh, that's where my investments went in year 12, being paid was, uh, yeah, the Jim Beam cans. You would have been the king, um, obviously being at school, being on an AFL list. Did you actually head into the club much? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I, I played it pretty well. When the club thought I was at school, the school thought I was at the club. So um, I had a bit of license to do whatever I want. And in the boarding house, you weren't allowed to have a car, but because I officially had a, a job um, was how I pitched it to the headmasters. I was allowed to have a car. So um, yeah, I, we'd duck in the car and take off. And um, yeah, I'd probably, I actually ended up breaking my foot in year 12. So I didn't have a lot of footy to do, but it gave me a lot of time to go for a drive, go for, used to drop all the day boys home and just fill in the day because uh, there wasn't a lot of footy and school probably wasn't going to, going to plan. That's living the dream, man. What about um, after that? Obviously, you finish school, you do well, um, as you said. What's the first memories <laughs> of getting down at the Hawks? Obviously, that time as well, like that was after the super draft. Then they've got another super draft coming in with, with big um, Zay Vallis coming down in the doors. What's your early memories mm. of coming in? Because at that stage, that's probably, was Buddy and that are already there and they're starting to really fly up. Yeah, so my first year playing was uh, – you probably remember the game, the season when Buddy kicked that goal near the siren against Adelaide. Oh, really? Yeah, 50 yeah. That, I know that one. That was, that was my first season. And it probably sums up how cocky and probably a little bit arrogant we were as kids. We thought we were going to win the premiership that year from, yeah. from seventh or eighth to wherever we were. Like, oh, we'll win the flag this year, no dramas. But um, firstly, getting there, um, Clarko had sort of taken over. Um, he'd been there for a couple of years. So they were heading in the right direction. Uh, and I really just jumped in and, and hung on for dear life because I knew that uh, personally, I know you say the super draft, but you think about the players that were drafted around me. Um, so Mark Murphy, good player. Dale Thomas was a good player. Josh Kennedy, West Coast is a pretty good player. Scott Pendlebury is a pretty good player. So that was the first five picks. And then my fat ass is in the middle of it all, which um, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. So I apologize to Hawthorne supporters about that. But Mate, they um, got the flags. So but I, I, yeah. But I'd never met an AFL player, really. So Ruffy was a Gippsland boy uh, who I played a little bit TAC Cut with. But apart from that, I, I didn't know um, AFL players or anything. So heading there, I remember still getting a text from Sam Mitchell on draft night inviting me to go get a beer. And I was having a party at my place in Melbourne. And I almost called stumps on my own party to go have a beer with a footballer because I was like, he's, he's got my phone number. This is unbelievable. I honestly was about to go have a beer with Sam Mitchell and just tell everyone to go home. So... Um, Oh, yeah, I was just in awe and like Buddy Buddy had something else about him. It just, as he got bigger and I call it skinny, Bud, I mean, he was just skinny, yeah. good looking, kicking goals. Like the, you'd go somewhere and um, I was like a sheep's dag, I suppose. You know, occasionally you'd get the invite to come have a beer, but the joint <laughs> would just stop. It would, but the joint would stop. The attention that he got was something I've never seen before. It was just everyone was interested in Buddy Franklin. Yeah, and you can see why now like he had to get out of Melbourne because the amount of years and like I've even seen him like I was living in when I was up in Sydney for two years and even like myself and not that I've ever been on his level whatsoever, but I think I touched him once in a game. It was awesome. <laughs> and then another time I actually saw him driving around in Sydney and I was a little bit like, Holy fuck, that's that was Buddy Franklin. Like I was actually like starstruck. 
Mate, I still, I still get that. I don't know if you can, you can probably picture. It. You know, when Buddy kicks those amazing goals, and then he runs around, and does those giant high fives, yeah. like the big double. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to try. I honestly used to try and like queue up so that <laughs> no. at least if, if the replay lasted for years, like you've got I'll one be, photo I'll, with him. I'll be, yeah, I'll be dead and buried, and they'll be like they'll be showing replays, and number eight will just flash you <laughs> double high five just to try and get in a picture. But yeah, I've got a photo too from when we won the flag. Uh, a buddy was like. Two people over from me in the song, yeah. but it still counts that Bud's, Bud's sort of half got his arm. Yeah, on he's me. touching, like, your, oh, he's well, that, touching that your shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh mate, he had this different aura around him, and you're right. You sit there, you go, oh, Christ. Not only am I, like, you play for you with these guys, like they know your name. I couldn't get around in the fact that these people know your name and like yeah. refer to you as someone they are somewhat friendly with. So, uh, he had a different. He is just a different beast. No, I so it was yeah. Like, I can't understand. I overstate how we had went to this beach hotel one night, and the attention from the females was I've never like, yeah, it was incredible. He just had everything: good looks, goals, everything. Speaking of the attention of the females, I heard that back in the day there might have been a nickname given to you while hanging out with the boys, and that was Cheeksy. Mm. Yeah, Cheeksy. Cheeks. Yep. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Cheeksy. That was an interesting one, actually. I thought it was a little bit unfair, but uh, so that stems around. Um, I never really used to get a kiss, uh, believe it or not. No, um, I can't believe it, mate. To, uh, I can't believe it. I used to hit that many contests. Um, you crashed packs, but never, it's not. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was reckless, gay abandon, but I still could never get a kiss. But uh, they reckon the only time, and it's something that I sort of worked out post uh, moving to Melbourne from the country, when you greet girls, they kiss you on the cheek. I never sort of worked that out. And I thought early days it was a sign of interest. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so I used to think half the time, I don't get what's going on. I couldn't, you know, no, no girl in Gippsland ever wanted to speak to me. I've come to Melbourne and I've got 10 girls that have given me a kiss on the cheek. But then from that it stemmed that the only kiss I ever got was on the cheek from a girl greeting me. So... Hence the nickname Cheeksy came. So, um, yeah, it was just my lack of any ability of getting a kiss at any stage of my life. Um, Cheeksy was birth. <laughs> That's one of the best nicknames I've honestly ever heard. And I've probably got about six mates that can take the mantle of that one as well. So I'll definitely be passing feel free to on. F- feel free, mate. That's uh, I've, I've lived that. I'm 32 now. So um, I'm more than happy for someone else to roll around with the Cheeksy nickname. It's not something to be overly proud of. You're listening to the Dylan Friends Podcast. back as well mate obviously you're boarding in melbourne at that stage and as a young bloke mm-hmm. um one thing that i missed out on because i sort of got picked i was living in melbourne and played footy at like two kilometers from my family home so i never was forced to move out but mm-hmm. i always knew that the houses with the boys that had moved down from the country were always a place to be um talk yep. us through maybe some of the housemates you had early days um what were the, what were the setups and how did it how did it all come about so having been in the boarding house for five years, I didn't really need um, like a foster home or whatever they're called where you get the adults to look after you. I, was, I sort of figured I'd been out my own since I was about 12 or 13. I didn't need to go in to one of those houses that you get put into. But first year I got put in with um, Jordan Lewis and Bo Mustin. I don't know if you remember Bo Mustin. Yes. He, um, he did his knee three or four times. Yeah. Um, anyway, they were, they were good fun, but uh, Jordan Lewis moved out pretty quickly. He'd, He'd done his, uh, he served his penance, but I remember I was put in the dog box and it was literally that it was like, 
it was almost Jordan Lewis's walk-in wardrobe was where my bedroom was. So um, after about six months, I did shut up shop and get into my own place um, where I jumped in with a couple of Melbourne boys, a couple of kids I went to school with, sorry. But it was 50 metres from – 100 metres from the MCG, um, right where sort of Cricket Australia is near the cricket nets at the G. So um, it was quite handy because the young kids used to get builded out to uh, houses that were probably, you know, 20, 25 Ks from yeah. the city, more you know, out of suburbs. So I was right in amongst it. But I was on the second level. So if I wasn't home, no one could get in except for one person and it was Cyril Rioli. I'd, I'd wake up after a night out and Cyril would have climbed my balcony somehow. He'd scurry up the side of the up the, up the wall and he'd, I'd never lock the house up. And he, no word of a lie, I'd wake up and I'd walk out and Cyril would just be laying on the floor in my room, in my room or on my couch. And that was it. Cyril used to just pop in and you could see like, all right, brother, let's go to recovery. I was like, mate, I don't know what you've done. How did you get here? But um, yeah, so I didn't really live too much with, um, footy boys, but I did. I did uh, have schoolmates in, and um, a bit like today, sort of the living arrangement I've got right now. So my house is always open, and there always seems to be people that roll in and roll out at any hour. Yeah, of course, man. I suppose I've I've got a bit of mail that, as well as the Richmond house, there was another party house, and that could have been that one near the race course. And oh yes, one day yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm working on this. Uh, this with a, an ex-teammate of yours who's filled me in on a bit of a gag. I actually don't even know what happens with this, but he's told me to ask about the day that you're at the races and the house came back mm. and it was egged. The house was egged. So I used to have I used to have one party a year, and I used to just put a line through anyone ever coming back to my house for a, a party. But one party a year after um, after the races, and I'd before the races I'd fill up the bathtub with as much grog as I could get in there. I'd have it in the in the sinks. I'd have it absolutely everywhere because I was going to put on one good show, and that was it. But there was that many times you'd come home and blokes would just take the piss out of you, like <laughs> egg my house, um, or you'd you know you'd come in and you, your bed would be missing, or they'd be out in the back shed. Uh, I used to have a bulldog, and all, all I used to do to keep the bulldog away from escaping because people used to literally walk in and leave the doors open. <laughs> Was I used to go buy a uh, like a family of ten big roast, like a big big roast, <laughs> and I used to put him in the double garage and just throw this like almost a live roast in there, and he used to chew it for hours on it. I never used to see him for twenty four hours. So that was like his, you know, I'm looking at Donald Trump at the moment and how he's hiding in a bunker. That was like the dog. I used to just give him this big roast beef and just sit there for days on end and just eat it and eat it and eat it. But then. Whilst, as, uh, whilst they were obviously hiding, the house often got egged. But who told you that? Who, who, I, I can't remember who egged me. That was Sam Grimley. Sam Grimley, yeah. That's, so, and, and that explains it. He's, he, he actually, it's frightening. Do you I think, think he could be the culprit? Because, yeah, but I also feel sorry for him. You can't come down on him too hard because he's a halfwit. And I know he probably <laughs> doesn't understand that he's done something wrong. So, um, yeah, we used to sort of let Sam get away with anything. I can't believe he lasted on a footy list for six years or whatever it was, to be honest. I've never seen a softer, I've never seen a softer person in my life. Oh, Grimmers. No, he's, he's good. He's going to love that. He's a good, he moved over to, uh, he moved over to Perth um, for two weeks to play over here for Subiaco, um, Sam Grimley. And he really? ended up being a top up, yeah, ended up being a top up Essendon player. So, yes. um, I was looking forward to having a friend in Perth, but, um, yeah, he, two weeks later he turned around and um, his big move from Melbourne to the Big Smoke in Perth was uh, was done and dusted. So back to as a top up player, Essendon. That uh, that top up career never really took off. I honestly think it's due to the number that he was carrying around. I think it was about a fifty nine. When you're carrying yeah. that sort of weight on the back of your jumper, it's hard to sort of 
to live up to the expectations of, of coming into the AFL? Well, as, as you and I know pretty well too, that occasionally when you get the ask down to State League, um, you're not flopping into your, your normal number yeah. at the Waffle or the VFL. Sometimes you're in the 70s, the 80s, uh, and that's when that's when you really need to have a think about your career and the direction. When you're running around in knee-deep mud in Melbourne wearing number 80 on your back, that's probably time to look for a different career path. Gee whiz, mate, that gives me some, um, some anxiety even thinking about it because – between you and I, and I don't know if you did play a lot of VFL at um, at Hawthorne. I don't think you did because you were playing in flags too many times. But there was no worse ground. There was probably the three worst grounds that you could play on, and that was Preston City Oval, which was you nearly just get depression playing there. The other yep. one was Williamstown, which was horrific, and the other one was Box Hill, which is Hawthorne's ground. Mm-hmm. Rocking up to Box Hill on a Sunday in the middle of winter was was as low as shark shit. Yeah. Mate, there was actually one I reckon you missed out on, and that was North Ballarat in the oh. middle of winter. <laughs> I actually – I got dropped one day, headed to North Ballarat, and I've never done – I tore my ass muscle bending <laughs> over. It was that cold. And then missed like four weeks after it with a torn ass. Yeah, it was – like Ballarat, it's a it's a, um, a nice little country sort of town, but Christ almighty, middle of winter, you shouldn't be playing footy there. No, definitely not. Mate, talking about footy as well. So fitness-wise, mm. um, how were you? How did you go fitness-wise in terms of like – Time trials and whatnot. Um, do you want to? Do we want to go skinny days or fat days? Uh, Maybe a bit of days, both. Yeah, skinny days. I wasn't actually too bad. Um, I could run. Never like I was never in the top two or three, but I was always probably in the top seven or eight, I suppose. Um, so I wasn't too bad at running. But then uh, I started getting a lot of leg injuries, and it, <laughs> the amount of times you'd be tying up shoelaces out the back of. Um, training drills, running sessions, that sort of stuff. Cause I figured if I could just get through training, I'd be able to play. So <laughs> the fitness level, um, the fitness level was never that good, probably from about the age of 24 onwards, um, due to probably, uh, lack of motivation, you know, to try and get my leg to tear again. And, um, yeah, put on a fair bit of beef too. So, uh, there's a, there was a few contributing factors to the, the way the time trial, if you did a, if you did a graph from where I started to where I finished in terms of times, um, I don't think there would be a greater increase of anybody in the history of football, to be fair. <laughs> well, speaking yeah. speaking of the injuries, because obviously there's a lot of them, and we'll touch on that a bit later, but time trials, when you can't do a time trial running, you have to do something else, like whether it be a bike, yep. and in your case, one day, a swim. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know the story that I might be alluding to there? Was it the one where uh, a punishment session? I think that... And Clarko, Clarko I, went off his bananas? Well, that sounds good as well, but I've heard of one that maybe... You had a 2K time trial. I think you'd hurt. You just maybe had surgery and you were meant to do a swim the next day. But um, instead, yeah. you'd actually gone out the night before and, and just got home. This, this is a bit unfair, though. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's correct. But in fairness to me, it was um, off-season and I wasn't meant to be doing anything. It was literally <laughs> I just had to check into the club. And you know what footy clubs are like. Um, you know, while we've got you, you can't be seen to do nothing. In, yeah. Yeah, we might as well squeeze the session in, whereas um, I was there under the pretenses. I was literally just there to show my face, uh, where it turns out I think I ended up having to sleep in, like, the disabled dunnies yeah. uh, after, uh, <laughs> trying to – to. oh, it was one of the greatest stitch-ups. And I, I, I know it sounds like I've done something wrong as a professional athlete, but I actually wasn't meant to be doing anything. Like, quite, I didn't even need to be there. So, um, to be honest with you, it was quite brave of me to be able to um, – you know, front up and and get the session in and still do it. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that outlook. It's how you can spin it because, like you said, mate, you've done the right thing by rocking up. They've thrown you yeah. out of the bus by trying to make you something different. 
Um, you touched 100%. on it before about Clarko because I'm, I'm, yeah. you know, coaches scare me, and like even through my career, like it's just like I'm, I think I'm a little bit scarred from them, but I, I still love them. Mm. It's sort of like that, yeah. that like <laughs> that relationship where you just get abused, but you just sort of you crave the abuse. Um, they, they don't cut the they don't cut the ribbon completely. It's just yeah, frayed, and yeah. you're just hanging on for dear life. They know how there. to just keep me on the edge of my seat, and I love um, yep. hearing about coaches and and sprays and even just stories about other players. Clarko's one that I I've never really had a, a chance to learn about too much. I've met him before, and he actually knew my name, which was so weird, and uh, it was probably yeah. one of the best days of my life. But um, how was he as a coach? How was the relationship there? And is there any good stories you can maybe share with us? Mate, I absolutely loved Clarko, um, and and I reckon, and I I don't know if this has been um, confirmed or not, but probably early days he was getting in a lot of trouble with the media. I don't know if you remember, there'd be times where he'd just be in a general press conference and things would go smoothly, and the press conference would conclude, but the camera would still be on, and then Clarko <laughs> would go, "Fuck you, mate," to a journalist, and you're like. Why would you do that? I, 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 like, why would you, now you've got attention? And then, of course, you know, SCN and those stations in Melbourne would be like, Alistair Clarkson flips out a journalist again. Da, da. But I reckon every time he did something like that, there was something bubbling away in the background at the footy club. Be it, you know, someone had been in trouble for a fight or a complaint had been bad behavior. It was such, it was, I reckon it was always like a deflection strategy that he used that he'd yeah. just throw himself under the bus time and time again. So a lot of the ones where he was fighting at VFL and stuff like that, I can't explain that behavior, but I assume something else was going on. I, the day he had a fight at um, Port Melbourne or whatever yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. I, I, can't, I, I can't confirm that something was going on at the football club much bigger than a, a coach having a fight, but I'm sure there probably was and he was trying to cover it and deflect a little bit. But my That's favorite, huge. Clarko, incident i suppose in terms of spray i never really got absolutely murdered but sometimes you'd sit there and i sat next to cyril in meetings and i've I've mentioned cyril twice but he was the golden boy yep so like i figured if i was near cyril automatically clarko wouldn't head in that direction for a serve so you know it was almost like the halo over cyril's head sort of somewhat sat over mine uh, accidentally. So in terms of actually getting berated myself, I didn't. But we played one game in Port Adelaide, and I don't know if you've heard this story, but um, it was 2010, I think, and Hawthorne started shit out. So he was probably under a little bit of pressure from um, Jeff Kennett as well. And uh, we won, I think, 10 in a row. I think it was about 10 in a row. We're charging towards finals. And Clarko hated Port Adelaide from day dot. He was uh, recruited from Port Adelaide and he was let go the week of the day of the grand final as the midfield coach because he'd taken up a role as coach at Hawthorne. So uh, he, he just hated losing to him. And Port Adelaide used to absolutely smack us early days, like absolutely destroy us. Anyway, we headed over to Port Adelaide and it was when they were playing that dump, um, Amy oh, Park, yeah. you know, yeah. they used to have the tarps out and yeah. there'd be three people in the stands. Yep. <laughs> anyway, and we, we were mucking around before the game. We thought we were pretty good. We, we thought we were red hot at that time. Um, which Hawthorne had the ability of doing a few times, was just thinking how good we're traveling. <laughs> but um, we got absolutely smacked, like um, never in it. Well, I say smacked, like we're just never in it. Lost by five goals or something. We get back and I still get the shivers on a Monday at four o'clock. I've finished playing football six years ago or four years ago, whatever it is. Monday, four o'clock was team meeting time. And you just knew regardless of win or loss, you, you could possibly be under the bus. Anyway, Clarko got up the front and... Um, he just stood there for a minute and we were all sit thinking, what's going on here? And, and am, I allowed to, am I allowed to swear? Yes. Yes, it's allowed to. Yeah. So he's sitting there and you can hear him starting to um, froth. Like you can hear it just frothing and you're thinking, wow, this could be anything. 
and he starts pointing to his chest, like hitting it hard. And he's going, this dickhead here, and starts pointing to himself, <laughs> this dickhead here. I fucking knew it, and I did nothing about it. I knew you guys were ahead of yourself, this dickhead here. And then clocked himself, punched himself in the face <laughs> as hard as you could possibly punch yourself in the face. It made that, you know, the, the real yeah. thud of, um, yeah. yeah, no, so he's, He's wobbled himself. He's clocked himself. <laughs> anyway, and he's saying, "Line up, line up, and give me one." And I'm, and as I no, say, I'm sitting no in his cell, but I'm also, I'm also, I'm also near the entry point to the to lining up. Well, I just, you should have seen me. I was under a chair. I was absolutely hiding. He just was enraged by what had happened in Port Adelaide. So the next day, and he was brilliant. At once, the meeting finished. It was done. But Michael Osborne, who was the joker and yep. one of those guys that he probably went too early on a few things. Yeah. You know, when you, you yes. oh, just, just let it sit. <laughs> no need to. Anyway, so we've tucked out and Osborne's gone and bought, like, got all the boxing head protection and shit and like put it all over Clarko's lectern, everything for him next time he wants to punch himself in the face. But I swear, like, he hit him that hard. It, like, it didn't wobble him, but it would have hurt. It would have, it would have hurt that, um, you know, but to get to the stage where you're that filthy yourself, you've punched yourself in the face. And has he um, wanted every other bloke to line up and chin him? Is that what sort of yeah, where? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Like because this dickhead here, as he's as he's hitting himself in the chest, I, I, it was. You look back now and go, right. And Campbell Brown tells that story to Sportsman Night and winds it up. And you think too, there's probably a bit of sugar added to it at some stage. But the fear, the moment of fear when he started. You know, pointing at himself. Well, firstly, I thought was better him pointing himself than it is pointing at me. Yeah. But when he punched himself, that was the moment I thought, uh, no, he's like, this is not in control. Like, you know, oh, when you yeah. always assume the coach is the leader and the head of the the head of the tree. That um, he's in. He was absolutely out of control. Like anything could have happened. We could have come out of there after punching on for twelve rounds. He took us uh, at the end of our um, best and fairest night. The replay, drawn grand final replay. Uh, back in the day, they had 24 hours. It's in the contracts, 24 hours during your holidays that um, clubs could have access to you, just one day. But mm-hmm. this clearly states 24 hours. So Clarko used that 24 hours. So we started at like 5 a.m. Then we all had to go to the drawn grand final. We had to buy tickets and go to the drawn grand final. Um, then we had uh, our best and fairest that night. But we had to meet at like 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. at St Kilda Pier to do a punishment session. And you do the math. I mean, do you've you've been to many best and fairest. What condition would you be in at about three a.m.? Yeah, you're not. You're never well. You probably haven't slept. No, you're not well. No, you <laughs> haven't slept. No. So we've all rolled from um, you know the after party down to St Kilda Beach. In in and it was so it was what September end of September. The water was so cold, but Hodgie had just been appointed captain from Sam Mitchell. So it was like just the yeah you know, the transfer over and uh, the night had just happened where Hodgie's presented on stage. So Hodgie had to take the punishment session. And we didn't know that Clarko was hiding in a car watching how we were conducting ourselves. I went home and got the boys because I used to steal all the towels from the footy club, the Cabrini towels. <laughs> so I went home and got like a bag of towels for everyone. And I was hanging out the taxi down St Kilda Parade or wherever it's called, just throwing towels. Like there was 50 towels thrown all over roads um, to try and stay warm post. So I, that was a bit I mucked up. But blokes were fighting. <laughs> Simon Taylor, I remember, it was really shallow for a long period of time. And he kept yelling out something like he was Jesus and walking on water and was like running through water. Hodgie was covered in blood. Um, Sam Mitchell had fallen asleep on a park bench. It was the biggest shit show you've ever seen. Anyway, Clarko got out 
and what was meant to be um, what was meant to be just a quick you know dive in dive out and you're done ended up being a swim session so we used to we had to swim out that's cold man yeah and I just had hip surgery uh, and I was with Jacka Smith Ross Smith who um, was a coach and and used to play and he wasn't a strong swimmer and he was holding on to the pier I thought we were going to lose him that night uh, a barnacle riddled pier and he was like if I let go I'm in all sorts so the barnacles are all over him anyway we we got in and Clarko made us keep doing that until we could do it as a team properly like until it wasn't a big shit show the blokes had booked footy trips the next morning it was an absolute disaster but that was the only other time I reckon I saw Clarko out of control was having 50 blokes leaving a best and fairest blind like you, you you literally needed a walking stick to get home and um, to yeah, sending us. We're out, we're out three or 500 meters like floating. And the, actually there was a couple on the end of the pier that were trying to, um, trying to get going a little bit. They're trying to, <laughs> I think they were trying to root on the end of the pier and 50 blokes have rolled up <laughs> anyway. So we've ruined it for him, for him and her. They were trying to get romantic from one of the bars and, um, yeah. So that he lost the plot that night and he lost the plot the day he punched himself in the face. <laughs> That, man, they're two of the best stories I've ever heard in my life. Oh, mate, it's twenty-four hour punishment session. I couldn't like literally when he said, um, you, "You." So we went in, and then we didn't. That's right, we went in, and someone was late, so oh, we no, did the massive swim. Late. And and who was it? I can't remember. We were we were in all sorts, and like it went from being uh, inebriated and to having fun to like we were trying to survive. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And whoever turned up late, I remember Chance Bateman, he had a towel and Chang had grabbed the towel and looked up and said, thanks, mate. And the guy, I can't remember, it might have been Jordan Lyle or something, he goes, nah, Chang, not good. And Chang's like, you didn't just turn up, did you? Anyway, sure enough, Clarko saw the late arrival. Oh, so then we're no. all sent out again. And big Simon Taylor Ruckman, I still remember it. All you could see was he, he escaped to his car and you could just see his seat recline so no one saw him. But that, that was incredible. The, the, that night, I'm surprised we didn't lose a footballer. You're listening to the Dylan Friends Podcast. Don't worry. I'm sure you'll get everything you want out of today's Dylan Friends episode. Actually, I hope you get a little more. Isn't it nice when you get what you expect? But even better when you get a little bit extra. Like rocking up to the MCG, putting on an absolute clinic and banging three on the G. Or maybe like they do at Telstra. A little bit of bonus with your data. Telstra Preplayed Complete gives you 25 gigs for $30 on your first three recharges. Plus, with a 28-day expiry. So you don't even have to worry about your data. And that's all on Australia's best mobile network, Telstra. You don't even have to worry about the T's and C's either. Because they're here. Includes 17 gig bonus... First recharge by 30th of June, remaining recharge by the 31st of August 2020 for use in Australia. Now let's get back to the show. Mate, if, if the Kerford Road Pier at St Kilda could talk, um, a few stories yes. and punishments down there. Mick Did you ever get chucked off there? Oh, mate, we, we had a period there. Oh, I might have told this story before, but when, we're, when I was at Carlton, you might not know, we didn't really win a game. And... Um, we nah. yeah we I think this is no joke. Um, I can't remember what year it was, but we just lost to Hawthorne by like a record a record number. Like it was like 157 yep. points or something at Etihad Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd had about three inside uh, 45 kicks into the into the corridor that got turned over. Um, and dangerous kick that one too. You got to take it. You just got to, <laughs> especially when you're 150 down, you know, there's not much to lose. You just got to keep going. And one thing I had was I just backed myself in, even when I just didn't have yep. the capability at all. You've just got to go for it. 
And um, yeah, I yeah, agree. The next day, mate, we this this went on for nearly because um, there was like a period there where we lost Mick's game, his 500th game, by like 80 points. It was like Collingwood versus Carlton at yep. the MCG, and it was Mick's like 500th record-working game. We we lost that by about 80 points. And then even after Mick got um, sacked, we kept doing it. So like literally every morning we're at the yep. Kerford Road Pier, and it was scary. Yep. Like you said, mate, like it's scary because you can't swim. I'm not a good swimmer. And two, because it's yeah, so neither. cold and dark, you actually don't even know what's out there. No, nah, you don't. And you freeze up. I mean, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it in Perth. I mean, that's one bonus is you're yeah. probably not going to get the great white sharks. But mate, the Kerford Pier, and I think the stories too behind. You know, you, you hear that we see that people are coming from disciplinary sessions down at Kerford Pier, but you know, never know the story. I always think, geez, I'd love to know what you did what, on that. What Saturday did you do to end up off the pier? Yeah, yeah what <laughs> yeah. did you do? Yeah, ours was just being shit. Um, yeah. mate. <laughs> well, it worked. You yeah. just shit now. It's been 10, yeah. 15 years of just being shit. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's definitely worked. Um, mate, we you joked about the career earlier, but it's actually an incredible career. You've you've been in three grand finals. You've won one premiership. Um, now I know winning the flag in 08 is an incredible feeling, but you know, up there with probably one of the best feelings in your life with with your with mm. your um, kid, uh, your son being born as well. That'd be up there, but to mm-hmm. also have on that day being robbed of a Norm Smith medal as well. Mm. That must, yep. it must put a sour ending to, to a premiership. Yeah. Well, I know you say like robbed and you think, oh, how are you robbed? But then you go, righto, pound for pound. I had more disposals than Hodgie. Yep. I had more kicks than Hodgie. Yep. I had more metres gained than Hodgie. I had more clearances than Hodgie. I had more marks than Hodgie, which is also an AFL record, yep. grand final record yep. that, which was, which was trumped, which was actually trumped in last year's grand final Doesn't by matter. Nick Haynes at full back getting kicks backwards. So yeah, I'm going to audit that and yeah. I'll make a complaint. But no, you're right. Hodgie was the Norm Smith on that day. No. No. You, no, no, mate. You, you have a case to play here. Um, Hodgie's a fantastic player and we, we love Hodgie, but gee whiz, mate, that day, it, it's, uh, you know, it would be, it, let's just say if you had it on your neck today, yeah, it'd be great. And it wouldn't be off my neck either. You know, I know you use that figuratively, but I would wear it every day of my life. But um, no, no, I actually watched the grand final the other day, you know, when the footy hasn't been on, they've shown replays of, so I sat down and watched it having a few stubbies and it's, it's not quite how I remembered it. Jeez, I kicked the ball shit ass. I'm 28, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, I know, I know. But there was flower bags left, right and centre. I remember watching. I was like, I actually can't remember. I actually nearly stubbed my toe on a couple of them. Yeah, I, I, can't, I actually thought I hit it okay. But the third quarter, I almost lost the grand final for the team. So Mate, sometimes uh, sometimes the memories are a lot better than the actual, the truth. Like, you know, I talk 100%. about a game and it's it's nowhere near playing on the big stage, um, winning yeah. a grand final. But I played a game once on the MCG. I kicked three goals. And I always say kicking yep. three on the G against the Ds. And it's my career yep. highlight. If I went back to actually watch that game, you'd probably see me three times, and it's for those three goals. Yeah. So it, it, it wasn't. It's always better to just tell them, in you know, yeah. your side of the story. Well, you're right. I I explained it the first time, saying how much more of things I did than Hodgie. But if so, it's easy to just present those stats. Whereas I've actually sat down and watched the game. They'd go, "Oh, mate, you actually weren't as good as what you thought you were," which is <laughs> actually correct. But for me, and and you know, now it's what ten years or twelve years on. Um, you wait, uh, and and now the games are shorter. I sort of somewhat yeah. want games to go to go to sixteen minutes because um, they won't be breaking. Those no records. way, like, you you want, you're not going to get up around those numbers. So no. uh, for, for the record, too, I wish the game stayed the same. But um, yeah, no, I was wasn't unlucky. I didn't even poll a vote in the Norm Smith actually. 
Didn't, yeah. didn't pulse. I don't know. I don't know who was uh, who was on the panel, but um, I don't think they've done that job ever again. No, no that's just fair to say that they're uh, they're they're now redundant, mate. Um, you said yeah. Marks. You've got <laughs> yeah. the you, you won the you've got the record for Marks besides Nick Haynes, who's a former teammate, great man, but he was chipping it around apparently. Um, is yeah. there any other records that you hold in grand finals? Any other records I hold in grand finals? Or is that um, the main one? I've been subbed out twice. I guess I might have been subbed out. No, I got subbed out once, uh, and I was injured once, so the sub had already been used. But yeah. any other records in grand finals? Um, I know of no. Nah, I can't think of any off the top of my head. The marks is good. I, I was just I was just alluding to nothing at all. To be honest, I just knew there was marks. I was just wondering if there's any more. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I thought I thought there might have been something. Yeah, you know, a, a bad one. Like, no, you know, no, no. No one's ever been. No one's ever averaged. Something in your last two grand finals that was bad or clangers or something, but uh, no, none that I know of. Um, I want to talk about Stewie Jew quickly, just because that yep. game, how he flicked it on his head. What was he like as a bloke? Obviously, he's a coach of the Gold Coast Suns now. Um, if I was him again, and we spoke about it earlier, I'd be letting everyone know about that day. Is he is he the man to sort of yeah. to, to flick that one around a fair bit? Uh, low key, low key, yes, but um, the story of actually Stewie Jew getting. Um, selected by Hawthorne. I was at the cafe out at Waverley when he first presented to Hawthorne and he was fat, like he was huge. And I thought I started, to, so I was having a coffee and he went upstairs at the cafe with Clarko and I started telling everyone that Stewie Jew was going to be a development coach. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, it, there was no way he was going to be able to play football, but um, even so much though, he was so back and forth. Dewey, Dewey retired. I think he might've been 26 or what, too young. Cause he was such a good player. Um, Went to Hollywood with a movie star um, girlfriend at the time. Uh, I can't remember what her name was. But anyway, he got big, came back. But Clarko was interested in recruiting Dewey. And I re- Dewey was lying about his weight to Clarko. So Dewey was playing down his weight. And then Clarko, who desperately wanted to get him, was playing down his weight to the recruiters. So by the time Dewey presented himself from LAX airport, um, it wasn't the Stewie Dewey exactly <laughs> what they thought was going to be uh, what was going to be stepping off the plane. But even... Um, Clarko, in typical Clarko fashion, was um, like, right, we've got to get a little bit of um, little bit of meat off because Stewie Jew, even though he was big, he was still lightning quick. So he still had speed and um, his kick, obviously, was one of the best I've ever seen. Yeah. But they, they drove up to like Mount Macedon or something to do a bike session. Clarko picked him up from the airport and said, righto, we are off to do a bike session, da 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 the bikes, the bikes were on the in, on the back in you know, one of the little bike racks or whatever it is. It just so happened to be, and Dewey's probably the best day of his life. The bikes fell off the back of the car. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they're driving to Mount Macedon doing a hundred, and these bikes have come off. So the, even the bike session when Clarko was trying to trim him down couldn't go ahead. But I still remember, um, you know, him in that three minutes or four minutes or whatever. And I spoke to you earlier about how when Bud kicked those goals, he used to dive in for a high five for a photo. Yeah. The final, the final goal that Clark, uh, that Dewey kicks, I come, I never ran so hard in my life to get in there for a photo. So I'm in there, one of the first people to get a hug from him. So Dewey in his big moment, I've managed to sneak myself in that one too. That's so good. I will definitely have that one up um, on the vodcast for all the fans. It's all about... It's all about preparation. You just got to know where to put yourself. Hundred oh, percent, mate. And if I could go back and, you know, relive my forty-one game career, um, it'd definitely be something that I would put more focus on. I think it's probably something yeah. I didn't worry about enough. But also, like you think, you got the memories. Probably should I should have just kicked that goal? Like why yeah. did I pass it? Because <laughs> um, if I missed, well, I'm going to get sprayed. But if I kick it, 
at least I've got something to talk about. Oh, Whereas me shepherding for someone to kick a goal, like, that, that's not boring. a memory. I should have yeah. just, boring. you know, yeah, boring. <laughs> uh, then you and I, there's not a whole lot of highlights, mate. So we need to, I should be yeah, going back. If I could start again, I'd be a greedy bastard. Bloody hell. You're listening to the Dylan Friends Podcast. Mate, we spoke about after that grand final because that was probably when the body started to to a bit of wear and tear. Um, mm-hmm. You had a few leg injuries as we spoke about earlier. Now, was that a bit of a case of deleting too many beers post-grand final? Yeah. So post-grand final, I actually um, – so I went to – we were at Eve Nightclub, which no longer exists. No, it doesn't. Think. But so that, that was, was that was a bee's knees back in the day. Yeah, so it was the red-hot spot to be, but the um, – it wasn't overly well organised. Now, I don't know whether Hawthorne thought that we were a chance of beating Geelong, who had only lost one game in about eight years. But um, it was just a free-for-all at Eve. And, you know, you couldn't really have a drink with anyone. The general public was packed wall-to-wall. So I shut up shop and uh, went and saw my schoolmates at the Arcadia. Do you know the Arcadia Hotel yeah. in yeah. Uh, South yeah. Yarra? Yeah. So that used to be our school watering hole. Um and they used to paint it Geelong colours for all the, whoever owns it is a mad Geelong supporter. So um, they paint it blue and um, blue and white for the grand finals. And so I turned up there to have a drink with my mates who were all just sitting out the back. And um, sure enough, they weren't going to let me in thinking that uh, I was a Hawthorne supporter and they didn't want any trouble because I had a Hawthorne jumper on and the bouncer was like, nah, mate, this is a Geelong crowd tonight. Um, you don't want any trouble. And I was like, mate, I'm literally just here to have a beer with my mates. Like, I'm not going to get in a fight or anything. Just let me in. Anyway, they let me in. It was a bloody good night. And I'm glad. I know um, I was 22, so I thought I was going to win four or five premierships. So I was mm. like, oh, I'll just duck out with my mates. If I had my time again and you could forecast missed opportunities and stuff, I would have hung around the boys and I would have just been a leech to them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you mean, mate, for sure. I, I still wish that I was hanging out hanging out the backside of Juddy's pocket and um, all those sort of guys. It would have been... We had some better memories. Were you in with Juddy? Oh, Juddy loved me. Juddy loved me. Um, Did he? Uh, yeah. He, I haven't spoken to him for a while. Um, he's not returned the calls, but um, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he's a good man, Juddy. He's actually, he's actually. People don't know that he's actually dead set one of the funniest blokes you ever meet. Like the driest sense of mm. humour, and he's so smart. So you never want to get into. Not that I was arguing with him ever, but you'd never want to get into a debate with him because he's just so witty. Yeah. Nah, and you know that when you got. Someone who's funny and they're smart, there's only one result and you're going to look stupid. Yeah, and, and that was always the case. But no, nah, he's an absolute ripper, Judd, man. And I'd love to get him on the show. But today, mate, this is honestly, it's tracking us up there as the, the number one because I, I, I know I'm taking a lot of your time, but I don't give a fuck. So oh, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. at nine o'clock, mate. <laughs> what about the new, the new COVID rules? Because obviously you've got you know, social distancing or whatever where you can only have X amount of people in the office. I have to leave the office by 10 a.m. Oh, no. I'm like... Christmas, like uh, this, this virus, like we don't have it in Perth really. I sort of got a few, you know, people that travel in and out and they're starting, to, I think the pubs get to a hundred this weekend, which will be, um, it's been good hanging around the wife for three months, but I'm ready to tear in. But um, yes, yeah, so I get kicked out at 10 a.m., which if I get to 10 a.m., I've had a long day anyway, I suppose. Yeah, mate, that's a, it's a tough life for you these days. That's fantastic. Um, look, oh, look, the 2012 grand final, obviously the loss to the Swans. Yep. Um, do we touch on it? Like... I kicked first goal at 50 to 1. Uh, I actually did my calf in that game and it was sort of the first calf I'd ever done. And I injected, well, I didn't inject it, but um, with local just to try and see if I could run on it, uh, mm. run on a torn calf. Uh, it turns out it's not a good idea because no. um, I haven't sort of been able to run ever since. <laughs> oh. So 
mate, talk me because I look not that you'd probably keep up with the NEFL, um competition too much, mm-hmm. and, and forgive me if you do, but I had I would have done probably ten calves in my last mm. sort of two years of footy, and I know you've how many you nearly did like twenty or something. What, what's your Oh, calves. I honestly, I, I went for a run. I'm trying to lose some weight, and I know it doesn't look like it yet, but it's a slow <laughs> process. I tore my – this is four weeks ago. I tore my left calf, and I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to keep running. So next day or two days later, I went to run, and I tore my right calf. So I've done double banger on the calves, and I went and got some physio, which I haven't had physio for um, you know, ever since I left footy. Got on the table, and the bloke goes, oh, mate, the calf's not the issue. I'd be more worried about your weight. I was like, mate, what do you think I'm trying to lose weight for you? Like, seriously, fair crack of the fair crack. Like, just fix the calves. I'm, you're not Weight Watchers. Give me half a chance. But it is the calf, mate. They're the, I honestly think it's a, it's a like for someone who's got those reoccurring calf injuries, and there is a lot mm. of blokes out there. It's nearly the most debilitating injury because they don't hurt. So, like, there's nah. a little bit of pain, but and you think you can go with it, but the more you keep running on it, the worse it's just going to get. And like, I don't know, were yours tendon as well? Like, were they the Tendon tears? No, no, they they weren't. But um, it was just oh, so I probably did. Yeah, in AFL, probably twenty. And I reckon by now, like I was around at Shoeys the other day uh, pre lockdown, and I ran to the TAB um, to have a quick interest on something. And sure enough, as I flung around the corner in his house, there goes the calf. So I can't even run outside without pinging a calf these days. But it was literally just um, the, the I don't want to blame the injection, but I, I did a fair bit of damage. Uh, not being able to feel it torn. So yeah. now it's just one of those ones. And I, I sort of always said that I missed probably two years with a calf and I probably would have rather done two ACLs because um, at least you know there's a start point. And an end point, And hopefully yeah. an end point. Whereas the calf, you'd, you'd get to the stage where you're playing 50 minutes of footy again and then ping, there goes your calf, there yeah. goes your calf, there goes your calf. And it probably happened six times in a row, which uh, was frustrating. And um, that was probably the start of losing a bit of interest in footy. Yeah, mate, I, I, I mirror that um, exactly like, the rehab you go through, getting one done, you nearly get there, it feels good, bang, it goes again, then it doubles your time. It's just, it's absolutely debilitating. Yeah. And that's probably, I, I couldn't agree more. I lost so much interest in just doing rehab um, 24-7. If I, ever, if, if I ever have a coach or anyone ask me again, how's the baby cow, mate? Yeah. I'm going to lose it. <laughs> oh, it. Oh, yeah, mate, yeah. oh, And they think it's a bit of sense of humour too. Like, mate, I've heard that thing. I've heard someone ask how my baby cow is 15 times today. Like, just drop it. But the worst part was the bike sessions, man. I used to just hate doing bike so much. Like, it was the worst thing you could do. Like, that was honestly my – look, as AFL players, you're absolutely blessed. You get to work out and hang with your mates. But fuck me. If you give me a bike session, I I want headbutt you. It's funny. I've just purchased it. I'm not just purchased. I purchased a bike, but I've just started riding it. The last four rides until the weekend when I um, actually got through a successful one, I popped a tire, <laughs> I had a stack, I popped a tire, and I had a stack. How's that? Four rides, two crashes, and two popped tires. It's, and, mate, it's, and they said, I have seen these bike kits as well, so don't stress about that. You are looking <laughs> absolutely fantastic in that Lycra. Um, a few of the boys oh. have said that, you know, obviously, sure, you're rocking up to his place in the kit. He doesn't really want the kids to see – uh, he's kid to see you in the kit because he reckon it could give him some some long term effects. But um, mate, I reckon you look good. Yeah, it's funny. I actually um, now I, I start to like feel having had a couple of shoulders and stuff. Like I've got one boob that gets a bit saggy too. So when I'm having a shower and I have a look in the mirror, I think like I walk out and I make uh, my wife bless herself. Like how lucky she is that you know this is this is all hers. Yep, yep. But then I secretly like walk off to the bedroom you by go, myself oh, and like have a little t- tear in my eye. Like it's <laughs> it's it, 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 it's disgusting. Like I hence why I'm now trying to lose a bit because 
Uh, I've got the veranda that's sort of hanging over the picker. It's it's just a bad, bad look. Oh, mate, I, uh, look, I feel you, to be honest. And, look, mine's the opposite. I Not that I was ever a big bloke playing footy, but I've lost, I reckon, nearly eight kilos. And my, I look like a surf, like a mini surfboard. I look like a, like a mini <laughs> skimboard. Like, it's honestly embarrassing. Like, I'm 27, man, and, yeah. like, I don't have any definition whatsoever. Moving back to Melbourne, I'm pasty now, too, like, bad. So, like, I'm just looking yes. like a white skimboard. Um, at the moment, yeah. so it, it look, it's it's different, but I know the feels, man. And not that I ever had a grey house rig playing AFL, but like, fuck, it yeah. was better. It was better than it is now, that's for sure. Oh, mate, it's funny. Like, and I don't eat much. Like, people go stop eating. It's the couple of beers I have. Yeah, every night. So I've now <laughs> cut. I've come down. <laughs> Down to two alcohol-free days a week. So a Tuesday and a Thursday are my no beers or anything like that. And I usually just have a couple of beers because it helps with work. It just makes me start to think about – But it's uh, the beauty of not playing footy radio. anymore as well. Like you, Yes. To be able to do that. Like you haven't been able to do it for so long. And that's what I found like just having that release, like you're actually allowed to just go and do it without having to worry about doing a calf tomorrow. Yeah, what about too when you were playing footy and you'd go open up the fridge to grab a beer and you just felt like Clarko was in your house. <laughs> like – Cheating himself. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what am I? What am I doing? Like, am I going to get zapped or something here? Like, I'm over eighteen. I'm allowed to have a beer. Yet every beer I had, I felt like I was doing something dangerously wrong. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. I want to talk about the, the move to the west because mm-hmm. I before doing the the show, I thought that you must have the way you've embraced uh, Perth and and the west coast. Um, I, I admit, I must have thought you were from there because you've just taken it by storm. Um, and I want to know how it all came about. How did how did it how did the transition come from from Hawks? Was that because it was free agency? But was there option to? Did you sort of want to get out of Melbourne or? Yep. Yeah. So um, I know, like, and you, again, you're probably pretty similar to me, deal. When you go tell the manager and stuff, you're looking for a change. Um, yeah. Well, okay. Seen so, pot- sorry, I'll just stop you there. I had never had a choice to have any change. It was more just like they didn't want me. Um, who else yeah. is keen? <laughs> well, that, that was sort of my situation. I thought there might have been a small choice. <laughs> Turns out there wasn't too many uh, too many bidders. But uh, it's actually funny how I ended up at West Coast. I um, Fremantle probably midway through the year started touching base with my manager. And um, I don't know, I was always pretty loyal. Like I just didn't want to talk about it. But I did say it's not, it's not panning out. Um, I was injured again with my leg. I just want a fresh start. I want to get away from Melbourne. I just, uh, Victoria, I, I just felt like I was probably know, hanging around with people I wouldn't usually hang around with. And um, when you're injured, you don't really want to hang around the boys because you don't want to be a negative effect on them. Mm. And it's hard to also be around all their positivity all the time. So um, Fremantle organized me to go over there for a medical on my leg and um, flew me over, put me up in an accommodation, got me in the next morning to, to do an assessment. And Ross Lyon, wasn't there for the for the meeting and it was I started to smell a bit of a rat uh, and sure enough they decided that they were going to chase um, Colin Sylvia so right. um, I was so hopeful because there wasn't a lot many options out there and I think if they knew what I signed for West Coast we, like financially I think they probably would have just made room regardless but I yeah. think they thought maybe I was after a little bit more coin or something but um, 
so I've done the done the assessments with the physios and everything, and they sent me to Subiaco. Um, so Fremantle Subi is about thirty k's to a um, MRI machine on my legs, and I got there about an hour early and just text Simo, who had just been appointed West Coast coach, and he's like, "Oh mate, you got to drop in here um, and have a look at my office. It's I've got my own desk because yeah. obviously assistant coaches they they eight of them share one desk. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I walked over and um, you know sat in his office and just talked shit. Um, with no intention of signing with West Coast. Uh, and anyway, by the time I got on the plane, I virtually signed with West Coast. So I was at the Packenham races the next day and, um, yeah, I was a West Coast player. So it was, I was over at West Coast on Fremantle's bill um, signing <laughs> with West Coast. So, um, yeah, thanks for that, Freo. That's incredible. So was, was Simo, like, was he assistant at that stage or was that when he taken over as coach? No, nah, just taken over. So he was moving over, literally. So he moved over. He, Moved to West Coast the same year. I moved to West yeah, Coast right. essentially, but he he'd been in town for a week or whatever, and was just because you know West Coast are pretty well off, and they're based at um, Subi Oval. And sure enough, he had two TVs in there, whiteboards, um, you know, one of those tables that you see that you know Jesus sat at for his yeah. last supper. You know, big whopper. <laughs> yeah. uh, sure enough, yeah, I walked in and um, I actually got kicked out because someone else was coming through, and I was like, oh come on, mate, like fuck, I'm only here for one for one hour. Yeah. Anyway, sure enough, it was Elliot Yo um, getting the grand tour. So I now understand why I got given the ass pretty quickly. They're like, oh, get this bloke out. He's fat. He's disheveled. He's here with Fremantle. Like, it just doesn't make sense. We've got to present like we're actually some sort of professional organization. So, yeah, Yoey, Yoey, Yoey was um, – so I, I say it was a two-for-one. Yeah. In that two-for-one, we've, we've won a couple of best and fairest and a premiership and all that sort of stuff. You've done well, you two. Uh, it's, it's definitely changed the club and turned the corner. Um, as you said earlier, mate, when you first walked into – the doors at West Coast, you wanted to be cool, mm. all right? You wanted the cap back the front. Yep. You wanted to assert yep. the dominance, being in a new town. And um, mm-hmm. I feel you on that. you gotta, you got to have a good impression. You want to you wanna right all your wrongs and do what you wish you did in your first um, yep. at your first club. But taking on maybe the head of the Perth underworld isn't the best thing to do. <laughs> um, talk us through what's happened here. Obviously, you didn't know what you were doing, but um, – yeah. Are we even allowed to talk about it without getting a hit? I was talking to Shuey the other day about it, and he dropped a word that I'm not going to drop when I'm talking about this, but uh, <laughs> it's a word that associates to um, to figures, to colourful figures. But, um, yeah, it was my first week over in um, WA, and there was a festival on called the Beaufort Street Festival. Literally, they shut down a, a street in uh, in Mount Lawley, and it's a good day. Anyway, Luke Shuey was driving us um, – and he, so I was with Scott Selwood, who I knew Joel Selwood well. I didn't know Scoot, but Scoot took me under his wing and, and Scoot and Shuey are best mates. Anyway, so Shuey's driving his car and um, not paying much of atten- not much attention and uh, ran someone over. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> no. he, he, there was someone crossing the road and uh, Shuey thought he was giving way. It turns out he wasn't. They, it, it was a little collision. Miscommun- anyway. Miscommunication. Uh, little miscommunication. And I thought Shuey was going to take it well and, you know, put his window down and just, you know, sorry, mate, um, you know, I don't usually run people over, my bad. You know, if I see you at the Beaufort Street Festival, I'll buy you a beer or something like that. Anyway, Shuey's giving him a bake. And um, and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, they're, you know, the Wild West. Now I've been here for three minutes and now I understand what's a Wild West. You run people over and you abuse them when you're wrong. Anyway, the next uh, two days later, we're driving to get some lunch. And a bloke crossed the road um, in front of us and I thought, oh, well, I'll give this a serve. You did last one, sure. I'll oh, do this no. one. 
So I've undone my window and yelled out, nice hair, you dickhead. Um, and it turned around and sure enough, Shuey almost jumped out the other window. He was driving the car. It was one of those um, new fancy cars, that driverless cars. There was no one in the driver's seat. And I was like, what the bloody hell's happened? He goes, that was John Kizon, you dickhead. And I had no idea who John Kizon was. Anyway, I did a little bit of Googling and he's a West Coast man and um, – Shoey, Shoey's met him and stuff like that. So, but no, I was very quick to after spraying um, John Kizon that I we changed cars and we got out of there very quickly. But um, yeah, I, I haven't yelled out the window ever since, and there's a good reason why. <laughs> so the relationship's amicable now. You you you're back on good terms. Uh, well, I haven't seen him. Yeah, I gave uh, I gave John John a, a, a bake out the window. But um, yeah, no, we're all friends now. That's good. Mate, I'm I'm happy that that's the case. Oh mate, it's um. Yeah, one, I shouldn't have been doing it in the first place, but yeah, you, you probably get what you deserve in life. And I mean, um, if if by chance I get what I deserve in life, well, you know, so be it. That's true. You're listening to the Dylan Friends Podcast. Hey, there's, um, there's a story here that really resonates with yeah. me because I feel like I've been in this position many a times and it's being emergency. Okay, so, you know, yeah. I was probably emergency more times than I actually played games um so i got pretty good mm-hmm. at it and there was always that sort of thing in the back of your mind going look i'm never that this is never going to actually happen i'm never actually going to get called up to a game um i'll just sit yep. here and chill out um your case though i've heard that that wasn't the case one day you've been called into up in a game i think it, was it a derby even or was nah, it just it a, was, uh adelaide crows adelaide crows so yep. do you want me to tell you what i've heard first yeah, give me your version of events. Okay, I heard that you were you were hogging back a four and twenty pie and a can of coke. <laughs> um, you've been quickly rushed down to the rooms, got changed, and straight into the game. Um, a player that will rename uh, nameless, and we might have just been speaking about him earlier. Your good friend, friend of the show, uh, Luke Shuey, yeah. has sworn that he's seen you at. at Throughout the first quarter, setting up the Weagles web in the kick-in zone, and you've got tomato sauce on your top lip. <laughs> uh, look, there's the versions of that that are quite accurate because um, not only was I not a chance of playing, I had sort of cracked bone in my wrist. So, um, yeah, no, I was – preparation. I remember Shuey said to me on the field, what are you doing out here? I said, I actually don't know. And he goes, have you had any water? I said, not a drop of water today. Not, not I am the most dehydrated human on the earth and I've got a belly full of pie. Uh, but it's happened to me twice still, the late call-up. Another one was a, um, a Friday night Hawthorne v West Coast. And I was only made travelling emergency because I was due to play 60 minutes of VFL football the next day. So you the red but eye? The two other emergency... No, was it was it in, in Melbourne. Melbourne. Okay. In Melbourne. Um, and the two other emergencies were at Box Hill, but they were kids. So they wanted them to go to the meetings yep. the night before the game to get their head around it. I was obviously a bit older. So they told me to come, but I had a uni exam that day and I had an NBA playoffs were on and I ate, I reckon, 35 dumplings. Um, <laughs> so sat, we watched the NBA, had dumplings. Then I went and um, and did, what did I do? I think I might have even done a swim or something ridiculous. Turned up and Paul Piopolo did his quad running through the banner and so they said I wasn't right to play, and um, but there was no other emergencies there. They were still at Box Hill. So I sat on the bench, and Grant Birchall did his PCL in like the first three minutes of the game. 
and they made Birch stay out there. So poor old Birch, who's had knee troubles, held on to this PCL for like three and a half quarters until they were like, righto, Birch, you can come off now. So yeah, you were subway, sorry? Yeah. yeah, I was sub. Yeah, so I was sub. So I just sat there um, waiting. <laughs> and sure enough, um, that's right. And even when I was the late in for West Coast, the meat pie story, <laughs> there was a sub. I think there was still a sub, but for some reason I wasn't the sub. You know what I mean? I yeah, yeah, yeah. There was always a, there's always a reason why that there's there's that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I had to stand on Eddie Betts that night too. So um, yeah, it went well for me. That was the last game of footy I ever played. <laughs> mm. No, not not a highlight of my life. And so I went down my very last <laughs> game of football against uh, against Adelaide, got my ass handed to me by Eddie Betts and retired. And had some tomato sauce on the lip. Yeah, it had the tomato sauce <laughs> dripping on the lip. But that's a little bit unfair because I usually was eating meat pies at the game, but it was always very clever to hide the, the – so you'd go to the toilet and you'd scoff, scoff the meat pie in the toilet or something <laughs> so that the young boys didn't see what you're eating. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, yes. mate, an- another couple of good ones about the time at West Coast. Um, we had yeah. Hayden Valentine on last week. Had Mickey Barlow on, who's you know a, a good friend of yours as well from the West. Yep. Um, and the derbies are always big games. Mm-hmm. Derbies are always big games. What are your memories of some of the some of the derbies um, playing for West Coast? Uh, we got our pants pulled down once, and then we smashed them the, the second time. But Mick and I are, are good mates. I don't know if Mick's told you this, but um, I played on Mick one day. <laughs> uh, he was playing half forward, which I always thought like Mick Barlow Prime was a exceptional midfielder like he was just really clever crafty but I mean half forward I I thought he was just always played out of position and it's hard to really it's it's the graveyard shift regardless um and you really need a couple of tricks up your sleeve I remember I was playing on Mick um and sure enough uh he he wasn't having a great day and um at halftime we were up by four or five goals I think or maybe even more Anyway, Ross Lyon has absolutely baked Mick and gone through him and threw the red vest at him at halftime. And getting subbed off at halftime, that's, you, that's, you've got to be pretty bad to be subbed off at halftime. I've been there. Anyway, have you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I have. You've I got have. to have a bad day. Oh, mate, I, it, was, it was chewing off at 45 again, but I hit the roof at the um, Culture <laughs> Dome. And that was it? That was it. Yeah, so um, Mick's got the, the red jumper thrown at him at halftime and told him, you, you fucking pathetic, and went through him. Anyway, Roscoe settles down and, um, you know, the, the, the red vest has sort of been taken off Mick and um, said, you've got one opportunity, you've got one chance. You know, if I don't get a, a gauge on your, your change of attitude in the next, you know, first five minutes of the quarter, da-da-da, you're coming off. Anyway, Mick looks at the board and he's starting on the bench and sure enough, um, he get you know five minutes in. He's you know, getting the shoulders rolling over, ready to go. Give the thighs a bit of a slap to pump himself up. Stands up to come back on the ground for the first time in the second half. And the, the uh, interchange steward hands Mick the red vest and says, "Sorry, mate, no oh. opportunity today." <laughs> so Mick sat down, being subbed off at half time. And I rang him um, after the game, thinking he must have you know he had a bad run with injuries. Obviously, Mick. I was really concerned that he'd been. Um, injured, like subbed off with a serious injury because he's a tough bugger too. So yeah. you usually see the end of a game with something slight. Sure enough, didn't take my call, didn't take my call, <laughs> just wrote subbed off. <laughs> Mate, honestly, like getting subbed off, let alone at half time, is not a good feeling. Like especially when you're no. not injured. Like I, 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 100%. I think I might have told the story before, but I'll, I'll fill you in. I, that day I got subbed off, I honestly sat there and – 
the same thing happened. I didn't even get a spray. It was like, I'm so mm. disappointed in you and your efforts that it's not even worth my time talking to you. Like, it was just <laughs> like that. It was just, it wasn't even, it was never even explained. That's how bad it was. And I remember sitting on the bench with the red vest and I just said, you know, take it in, son. This is the last time yeah. you're ever going to see the, the, you know, the inside of a stadium because you're a sack <laughs> of shit. And you just sit there and the things that go through your head, it's just, you're just like, oh, well, you know, it's been good. Um, look yeah. around, you know, take it in, check check out the crowd, maybe wave to a few people because you just know you're not going to get the send off you want. And, um, oh, no. and it can hurt. It's not the dream. It's not the dream you had as a kid either. Like you dream of having to winning a Brownlow or an All Australian, shouldered off Ferris or something. <laughs> yeah, getting something, getting a round of applause or something. But I mean, I think I retired on Instagram. I didn't <laughs> even get anything. But um, the uh, the one that you you laugh at waving to the crowd goodbye, uh, Mitch Brown, who twin yeah Nathan, Nathan Brown yep Collingwood. So Mitch, um, unfortunately, had done an ACL earlier in his career. We were playing a derby. So this is a derby. And he's got the job on Hayden Valentine, who we just spoke about. Yep. And for some reason, Mitch, incredible athlete. He could play tall or small. He went down and was in so much pain and instantly ACL. So he's laying there and, um, you know, in, in immense pain. They put him on the stretcher and you know, getting the cart off. And uh, – <laughs> He's waving goodbye to Subiaco. So Brownie thought, I'm 28. Um, yeah, he's, he's probably the third defender, key defender. He's waving to everyone. And, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. It gets into the change rooms and he's um, he's crying. He's in the shower, bawling his eyes out. Jacob Brennan, a good mate of ours, in his club suit, walks into the shower. So he's getting soaked as well and, like, he's cradling Brownie, yeah. who's distraught that he's done his ACL. They... Um, yeah, ever, the world's ended. He's gone home. His house has been robbed as well that day. It's an absolute disaster for him. Anyway, he, he goes and gets his scan. His ACL's fine. He's missed one week with an ankle injury. <laughs> he rolled his ankle. That was, he's missed one week with an ankle. But then 12 months later, around one against the bullies, Brownie slipped over and grabbed his knee. And in the back, I gave him shit for 12 months, it, every, like nonstop. Still to today, I'll send him a video or a photo of him waving to the crowd. He refused to get on the stretcher the, the year later because he was like, nah, you can't I'm going to cop again. so much shit for this. I'm going to cop so much shit for this. Anyway, he'd blown his ACL into a thousand pieces the second time around and they actually like forcibly had to put him onto the stretcher because in his mind was like, I can't deal with 12 months more of being, being canned for getting on the stretcher. The poor bugger, he actually blown his knee the second time. Did he wave? <laughs> no, no, the wave was done. That was an away crowd as well. The, the home crowd. And it, was, oh, it was like the real queen, you know, the slow wave. Oh, you never want to do it. Anyway, he got the round of applause. Everyone was standing up. And, I mean, Brownie was at a career like uh, like ours. It wasn't, wasn't you know, tremendous by any stretch of the imagination. But for that moment, he that moment, the sun was only shining on Mitch Brown. That's incredible. That is, And for all we know, you know, he could just play that and pretend it was the – the knee did at the end, but far out. That is, um, yeah, 100%. Is um, mate, post footy, yep. it's it's gone really well for you. You're obviously killing it over there in the West. Um, co host of Hit 92.9s, is that how you say it? 92.9s, yep. that's yep, in Perth, obviously. Um, how did it all come about, mate? Like, did you do much stuff when you were playing footy? Like, did you get ready for it, or did you how did it all sort of come about to being like host of a breakfast show? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. So um, I used to, so Fox FM in Melbourne. It's the it's the Perth station of that. But yeah. um, I used to never do any media, and as you'd know, the, the 
with 10 clubs in Melbourne, the only players that ever do media are the top, you know, three or four players on every team. And there's no media ever for anyone else. Whereas over here, you can be an absolute battler um, and still for some reason, there's going to be a story written about you. <laughs> um, so but doing media wasn't unfamiliar for people, you know, player 10 to 20. They, they all sort of did stuff. But each radio station over here has a, a Fremantle player and a West Coast player. And Will and Woody, so they're two radio hosts at the moment who work for KISS and ARN. Uh, they were doing a breakfast show over here, went to Scotch College in Melbourne and I knew them. And for some reason, like every player who's you know, on the breakfast shows is, you know, Shuey might be on one, Nick Nat might be on another, Elliot Yo on another, McGovern. For some reason, they asked me to do it, which, um, which was great fun, but really not, you know, the, the, the typical good AFL player that, they, you know, people are not tuning in to get me to dissect how the football's going to yep. go this week. Yep. So we just had fun. Like we literally just had fun and I was like a guinea pig for them. So, um, you know, they had me hanging out, of, hanging out of windows, taking on people in contests. It just had a really good time. And uh, when I finished up playing, I had one rule um, to follow and it was just to say yes to something once, like regardless what it was, I just said, do it once. If you don't like it, you never have to do it again. And the media stuff never fitted comfortably with me. So I, I got offered the job um, to do a breakfast show when Will and Woody returned back to Melbourne. And I armed and armed a little bit about it. And my wife was like, you, you, you ruled. Like, yes, you've got to do it once. Yeah. Like, you've got a contract, but you can leave your contract whenever you want. Well, they, as we've seen, like, the contracts don't mean much these days. Mm. So I did it once. Um, and, yeah, like, I really like the lifestyle. It's early starts. But, you know, as I said earlier, you're home early. Um, and yeah, so I just said yes to it. And then all of a sudden, uh, I now write a little bit for the West again. I was like, I, I'm not, um, you know, intellectually persuaded by doing you know, journalism and that sort of stuff, but I was like, oh, bugger, I'll do one. And then, so I've been doing that for a couple of years and then, um, channel seven rang to say, would you do the boundary for us or the waffle? Sorry. Yeah, I'll do that once. Obviously having no idea what I was doing. And like, if you look back now, I'm pretty rough around the edges as it is, but if you look back at the first time I did something, it would be so embarrassing. I was so shit. But um, yeah, I just said yes to everything once and turns out that, um, you know, some of the stuff and it's a good balance. Like I'm pretty busy at times, but I've got like four or five different things I'm doing, which um, as you know, deal, like if you, if you're doing the one job over and over, it gets a bit um, mundane, but I mean, different things, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. So, yeah, that's how I landed in Breakfast Radio. Uh, and your Perth, as you mentioned, I had no association with Perth, but I just thought I'd buy in really quickly. They're pretty parochial over here. So, um, yeah, as soon as I bought in, um, yeah, it's fair to say that uh, it's, it's been more successful for me than what I was thinking I was going to do whilst I was playing footy. And it, when you you and I, um, and you, you, you know every year that the, the clock's ticking. So to not have a look on what you want to do in the future would be a little bit naive. You know, the good players who get paid handsomely, they can probably chill out for a couple of years and, and work out what they want to do. But if you're not the top 10 players, you've probably – bit naive not to have a, a little look outside the, the footballing walls to see what you want to do. And um, I sort of landed in this. No, nah, it's awesome, mate. And like you said, um, oops, sorry, I just paused there. Um, like you said, mate, it's like you said, it's having that sort of eye on what's next, I think was actually a blessing for me. And you look back now and I think those years where I was out of contract and signed all those one-year deals was actually probably the best thing that ever happened to me. But I've got to give you credit, mate. You've been an, an absolute pioneer um, and, and a real role model for me in the media because – I've loved, uh, you know, watching you and, and seeing your journey. Like, f- for me, it probably, footy media annoyed me a little bit just because, and I, I think you might agree, like, they only sort of seem to grab, you know, these Brownlow medalists, 
five-time premiership yeah. players. And it's like, I could never really relate to that because I'd never done it. And I was like, well, mm. that's not like who I am. So I don't think I can sort of be like that. And I don't think I don't think that a lot of people are like that. Like most of the guys are, are pretty similar to us. You know, you tell people that you're better than what you were and you tell people that you're better than what you were <laughs> as well. So um, to see you in there, mate, and to see what you've done, you've definitely broken down some barriers and, and I've got to thank you for that. Um, just quickly though, your Wikipedia page on, on media. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. On Wikipedia, sorry, is is quite impressive, and I think they're selling you short just a little bit um, with your with your stats. Because basically, it says in 2017, you were announced a co-host on the Breakfast Show. In 2018, you were co-host of the Breakfast Show on the weekday with with Xavier and that's you um, with Heidi and Ryan. <laughs> then you started yep. doing some stuff with Channel Seven coverage, um, doing some interviews at quarter time breaks, and then in July two th- 2018. Uh, Xavier Ellis admitted on radio that he was significantly fat. <laughs> that's that's Mate, your who, four who stats. Who edits these pages? That's your four who stats on Wikipedia Media. Mate, it's funny you say that because I had amended it because it did actually say I was on there the other day and it was like height, weight, da, 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 and it just said fat in my category for weight <laughs> and someone's changed it to ninety kilos for me. So Mate, it's got to be Mate, it's it got to be up. um Luke Shuey because he did the same thing when he uh, heard that he uh, was still on the breast milk at um, seven years yes. old. And apparently yep, he's... Which is true. Yeah, which is true. We've confirmed that. And apparently he's been knowing how to change Wikipedia pages. So, mate, I'd be looking in that backyard very, very uh, closely. Have you ever changed Have you ever changed a Wikipedia page? Oh, I don't know how to do it. I've never known how to do it. Obviously, Luke No, does. neither. Neither. No, no, neither. I, mate, tech, as you and I worked out when we tried to, to set this up, <laughs> neither of us are tech savvy. <laughs> took about 40 minutes. Um, mate, last but not least, you're absolutely killing it. As yeah. we said, Perth Radio is going fantastic. Um, you've absolutely smashed this episode, mate, and you've done a tremendous job, which is why you're going to take every single one of my listeners over to your new podcast, which you've started. Um, and I love the name. <laughs> it's time for a beer. Um, how did it come about? I know that you were doing a bit of planning in COVID. Um, what's the show yep. about? Who's coming up? Tell us a bit about it, mate, because I'm going to be uh, the number one ticket holder of that show. Yeah, well, as we sort of mentioned earlier, you and I, we don't mind a beer or two, but um, I actually got it during the start of COVID because – like most of us, I assumed things were going to be dire, like really dire. So I, I originally thought it was going to be it's time for a beer. I'd grab a beer and just document what's happened today. So like it could be you know day yeah the I am legend style yeah. like day sixty eight. Sue's been Sue from next door's been rolled out. Uh, she's gone. We're down to you know thirteen people in Perth. All this sort of stuff. Anyway. We had like a week or two where it was a bit hairy in terms of you know nerves and that sort of stuff. But I've now per- I got a little bit inebriated and purchased the podcast kit, so uh, I put it away. And the wife said, um, "Yeah," and I bought a whole lot of extras that I don't need to. Like I got something that can put me on radio. I was like, I just don't need that. But anyway, so the wife's found That's it, impressive. and um, so it's time for a beer. Is literally just sitting down with some mates, uh, having a beer and chatting. So this week um, we chatted with Shuey. Uh, Nick Nat's, uh, Nick Nat's up next week, so we've done that. Um, and then just literally, uh, I know it's probably Perth-centric at the moment, but Damian Martin, I've always admired the NBL basketballer. Uh, Hawk and Selwood. Um, I want Toby Green. Toby Green is my number one target at life. Guarantee it, mate. We will lock that in. Toby's um, one of my good friends. Um, he's a bit of a sack of crap. He's he's not what you think yeah. he is, you know. Like you think he's just tough guy. I'm, I'm telling mm. you now, mate. The bloke drinks tea and reads a newspaper and hangs out with his missus. That's all he does. That's all he does. The um, it's funny. I um had had a little interest on to win the Brownlow this year at 100 to one, and I, I sort of looked at. I, thought, what? I don't know why I did that, but anyway, if he wins it at 100 to one, um, 
Toby Green, I'll buy him something special. No, nah, definitely, mate. We'll lock that in. I'll uh, I'll make sure I speak to him. But guys, make sure you check out the It's Time for a Beer podcast um, with Xavier Ellis, mate. You've been absolutely best on today. Um, you've won the Norm Smith of this podcast. Um, thanks again <laughs> for your time, bro. We've we've absolutely smashed it. I can't believe it. So much, um, so many good stories there, man. Thank you so much for your time. Hopefully, we can catch up for a beer um, sooner rather yeah. than later. And um, thanks again, man. No, I love it, mate, and absolutely love what you're doing. It's um, as you did mention. It's funny that uh, yeah, the people that aren't the Brownlow medalists and stuff get involved in the media. They're always the the ones that I have a good cackle with. So, uh, mate, love what you're doing. Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends Podcast. The show is produced by Dylan Buckley and Luca Ganano. Richard Stansbury looks after the audio and editing. Samuel Kenny Creative is responsible for branding and graphic design. And the show is recorded at 3AW Studios, Collins Street, Melbourne. If you would like to contact my son, head to dylanfriends.com or look me up in the white pages and I'll pass it on. Listener.